When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. If you combine pajamas and rubber boots to check on the barn, we welcome you. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you filling in for Farm Director Pam Yankee on a Wednesday. Today, the gloomy clouds continue. We'll see a high of 33 degrees. Winds are moving at around 5 to 10 miles per hour. Into this evening, the clouds will break and we'll see a low of 18 degrees. And with just a few clouds, that means we'll see mostly sunny skies tomorrow. But the highs will stay in the upper 20s. There are small chances of winter precipitation this week, but it doesn't look like we'll see anything significant until next week. I'll get you a more sure answer from our egg meteorologist, Stu Mock, joining us live later this morning. Here's what's happening in Wisconsin agriculture today. The Wisconsin Pork Association is inviting producers and industry partners to its annual meeting, which is held in tandem with Corn Soy Expo. Expo starts February 1st at the Kalahari Resort in Wisconsin Dells. And that evening, you can look forward to the Pork Association's iconic Porkapalooza event featuring pork hors d'oeuvres, live music, and a live auction fundraiser. You can register today at cornsoyexpo.org and find more details at midwestfarmreport.com. While you're at our website, be sure to check out the details on the Alice in Dairyland application. That's right, you can apply now to be Wisconsin's Agriculture Ambassador with the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. If you or someone you know has a passion for promoting agriculture, apply to be the 77th Alice in Dairyland before the end of the month. Again, you can find more info at MidwestFarmReport.com. We've got more in store for you today, including a visit with our friends from the Steffes Group. And we'll also get an inside look at what it takes to farm in the middle of the city. And I bet the crop he's growing will surprise you. It's all right here. Now, here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that the average adult has anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 taste buds? Yeah. Here's the sad part, though. We lose taste buds as we get older. What? Don't you want every one of those taste buds to be happy? Well, I've got an answer. Bavaria Sausage. Yep, fabulous farm bay Pam Yankee here for Bavaria Sausage at the corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg, open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5, or always open online, BavariaSausage.com. I'll tell you what, every one of those taste buds in your mouth will jump for joy when they see what's coming their way. The authentic old world flavor of their brats. What about all of the artisan cheeses and all of the unique flavors in between? Don't let one of those taste buds be disappointed. Head on over, BavariaSausage.com or the corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg. Tell them the farm babe sent you. Anybody that's been in Wisconsin's dairy industry knows that 2023 has been a challenge. 2024 
will present its own unique challenges. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee, and one of those Wisconsin dairy CEOs that had to maneuver some very troubling waters, Greg Schlafer. He is the CEO of Foremost Farms USA. They moved their headquarters from Baraboo to the west side of Madison, where I had a chance to sit down and visit with him, learn a little bit more about the man on the guiding helm of Foremost Farms, and also find out a little bit more about what they've overcome and where they're headed. He explains he's been a part of this industry for a while. Well, I've been in the food business for over 30 years, and our family background actually is dairy farming. My dad grew up on a dairy farm. I have fond memories as a kid of going to the farm, milking cows, being put to work, and doing chores. Um, And when this opportunity presented itself, um, definitely that played a part. And I thought if I could contribute my experience and help an organization turn around, uh, there's probably not a better stakeholder group uh, that I'd enjoy uh, helping. Well, and you hit it on the head. You came in at a challenging time. Pre-pandemic, there were quite a few things that needed to happen pretty fast at Foremost Farms. When you walked in, Greg, how did you do triage and set your priorities right out of the gate? It's a great question, and clearly it was a very challenging time. We were deep in forbearance with our lenders. Uh, we had bank-mandated consultants in for support. Um, so really there was a, a pretty solid group of support around me, for sure. This was not a one-man show by any stretch. Um, but you just start to look at what the needs of the business are. Managing cash on daily calls with the bank was a challenge. Um, Assessing needs for capital, you know, what do we have for staff? Do we have people doing the right things? Do we have the right number of people? You know, what's missing? So building process, building capabilities. Um, We had to do a reduction in force to take cost out. I had to look at our plant network. And over four years, the plant network has tightened up from 12 plants down to eight. Um, You know, part of that is... It's hard to have enough capital to support a bigger network. So if you can tighten that up, um, that's an imperative. You need to do that. So, you know, it's hard to do, really hard to do, especially for those families and communities where those plants were impacted. Uh, But we've tightened up the network. Um, You know, last year uh, we closed a cheese plant in in Milan. And this year, through work in the other plants, uh, we've taken in more milk and produced more cheese than we did last year with one more cheese plant. So that's just an example of productivity, efficiency, and continuous improvement. So the continuous improvement journey is is really important to us. We've got a big network. I like to say the the business has scale, and scale can hurt you or scale can help you. So if we can do a lot of blocking and tackling just 1%, 2% better, that has a big impact on the business. So, you know, that's really the focus of the core of the business as we continue to move forward. It's getting better with what we already have. Wonderful plan. And then the pandemic hits. Huh. You're dealing in a perishable food. Yep. Everything around you that you knew you could count on when you walked in the door suddenly is on shaky ground. Grocers, consumer purchase patterns, home delivery, uh, getting milk from the dairy. You had one set of goals when you walked in, Greg. How did you adjust those goals during the pandemic? Well, there is no playbook for a pandemic, and and we all had to work through that. It took employee safety to a new level. You know, people and safety is a number one priority here, so keeping our employees safe in the plants because we needed our plants to run. Cows don't care if it's Christmas or COVID, the milk's coming, right? So 
we needed our plants to run, which meant we needed to keep our employees safe. Um, a lot of our staff in the office went remote. And I will say, another one of my cliches, it's better to be lucky than good. The majority of our business flows into the retail channel through our customers. And as you remember, food service was what got shut down. So if we'd have been heavily dependent on food service, that would have been more difficult for us. Uh, the business that we did have in the food service channel, uh, you know, softened up while the business that flows through retail strengthened. Mm-hmm. So we, we had strong demand through the pandemic, uh, which is, you know, clearly a blessing for us. But again, that was no fault of our own. That was just luck. Luck brings you to this beautiful space we're sitting in now. For people that have not been paying attention, the old facility, the old headquarters on Highway 12 outside of Baraboo, no longer. Instead, now here we are on the west side of Madison in a custom-built space. How did this journey unfold? Great question. Um, So back to people. Uh, Building the organization um, into what's next for us meant adding a lot of new capabilities and process, which meant we needed a lot of you know, talented people. We needed to be in a market that had more people. We were struggling to attract talent 50 miles north from Madison. Uh, So the opportunity to move the office was important on the people side. And as we talked about, the the building in Baraboo needed at least $10 million in capital work. Windows, parking lot, furniture, uh, a roof, and that was an expenditure that was going to have no return. Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate, and we were able to sell the building, and then we were able to negotiate very favorable lease terms, and that was where the pandemic certainly helped us. Um, there was a lot of available uh, leased space. So this location here has been fantastic for us. It's really helped us attract talent to get into these important roles that then have a big impact on the results of the business. Well, and I just want to make sure that we're setting this up properly. If people get the opportunity to visit this space, you were still very mindful of every dime spent. I don't know if you're still uh, uh, answering to others per se as far as the checkbook, but you were very, very careful on disbursements on this new space. Well, you're exactly right. Um, Again, negotiating leased office space during a pandemic uh, we had very, very favorable terms, and you know the build out was covered by the the landlord here and that 's pretty common for commercial office space, mm-hmm. but it would have been far more expensive to invest in the office in Baraboo and then if you can 't attract talent that it it just sets you back uh, you know we We all saw the labor pinch uh, probably at its worst a year ago, Wisconsin record low unemployment, Minnesota record low unemployment. And had our office been still in Baraboo a year ago, I'm convinced we would have flat run out of people. Right, right. Bring me up to speed today then, Greg, as we get ready to enter a new calendar year 2024. How are you feeling? I think if you polled your average uh, dairy producer, they might uh, wince a little bit at what they're living through right now. But you have reason to believe that 2024, with the path that Foremost Farms is on, not looking too bad. Uh, We're optimistic about our future. Um, The business is as stable as it's been in a very, very long time. Uh, We're working with customers, so whether it's our customer mix, our product mix, uh, our plant performance, uh, taking costs out of our network, and, you know, developing people to get better results, uh, I I think we continue to get better, better results as we go forward. And and that's really just focused on core continuous improvement. That's not, you know, depending on... You know, a big new product launch or something right. that's got a, a lot of risk to it. It's it's really just all about us executing better. There's significant impact there. 
Let's be a little bit more precise on what this office space in Middleton, West Madison, offers in that regard. Test kitchens, client space, an attractive workspace for everyday employees. There's a lot of innovation in this space that Foremost Farms has never seen before. That's correct. We do have a culinary center, um, a space where we can bring customers in and collaborate, innovate together. Um, you know, we're a B2B business channel. We don't have a foremost brand on the on the store shelves, so we work with customers that do have products on those store shelves uh, to help them innovate and create new products. Um, and, and we have a space where we can do that. It's not a the biggest space as far as commercial kitchens go. Um, I think it's appropriately sized for us, and we're fortunate that we're seven miles down the road from the Center for Dairy Research, and we will leverage that space for trials and our space for customer meetings, and it should be a, a great combination for us. It is a beautiful space. That's Greg Schlafer. He is the CEO of Foremost Farms USA. Again, maneuvering through some turbulent times in 2023, looking for a brighter horizon in 2024. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're... St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Being with you makes us happy as pigs in mud. This is the Midwest Farm Report. And it's time now for your Compure Financial Egg Weather Update with Stu Muck. Now, Stu, I did see some flurries briefly last night, but I think that was pretty much the extent of that excitement. Am I right? Pretty much. I mean, Vilas County up in the northwest, Hayward, they're getting some snow this morning. That's lake effect. They'll be dealing with that. 
for the rest of us, yeah, a few flurries. We could see a few of those flurries a little later today as well. It's just not going to amount to much. There's a very weak cool front trying to drop through out of the northwest. That cool front extending from the central parts of the UP over to about the Twin Cities and then back into South Dakota. That little front will march further south today. And a little later this morning in central Wisconsin toward midday, and then in the afternoon further south and east, a band of flurries, some patchy light snow may develop. Not going to cause accumulations or anything like that, but a little snow in the air. That makes it look festive. How about that for a Wednesday? Otherwise, the bigger news is temperatures do remain on the somewhat above normal side today. 28, about the normal high around a good part of the southern half of Wisconsin, will be in the low 40s today, so a little on the above side. But after this cool front drops through and the winds become west and north, they don't get all that strong, fortunately, but they will tap into a cooler air mass, so expect temperatures overnight to drop into the teens and stay in the 20s tomorrow, that's more like normal for this time of the year. So it's actually going to feel like January for Thursday. We turn that around, of course, expect some moderation by Friday. And we've heard all the rumors there'll be some snow to start the weekend. A stronger low-pressure system is going to be passing just to our south and may account for more snow, maybe a little snow around late Saturday into Saturday night. And beyond that point toward early next week, we'll have to watch a lot of preliminary indications talking about accumulating snows, especially in southern Wisconsin. But then the next map says it may shift a bit further southeast and not affect the state much at all. We'll watch that one, let you know what to expect here as we head toward uh, the end of the week when snow toward later in the weekend could become a little more of a factor. I'll have those forecast details right after this. Innovation. The end of harvest, snow-covered fields, and an early morning sunrise. Winter is a good time to evaluate your livestock's health. BioVet loves seeing healthy animals contribute to your farm's profitability. The knowledge and support from our team is here to help you make the difference in the health and productivity on your farm. Help your livestock stay healthy and call 1-800-BIOVET1 or visit bio-vet.com. Innovation. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. A little chance of uh, some precipitation until we get to the weekend when we may see some more accumulation. Stu, what else do you have for us this morning? Well, I kind of like these temperatures. Our Compure Financial Ag Weather Forecast does include a mostly cloudy day, maybe a little flurry activity, some light snow around. Uh, first, later this morning in central Wisconsin, later today, further east and south. Look for temps up in the 30s, 34, maybe a 35 if we're lucky. And the west winds only about 5 to 10, becoming north as we head toward the night. That's that weak cool front clearing out somewhat, partly cloudy overnight. Upper teens with the north winds at 5 to 10. Some sunshine Thursday and more normal temps in the upper 20s with north winds at 5 becoming southwest late. That brings those clouds back, more clouds Friday and back up in the mid-30s, if you will, 33, 34. And the south winds at 5 to 10. 
And Stephanie, then that little bit of snow could start to show up as we head towards Saturday. As you said, back to maybe some normalcy here for a Wisconsin winter. (laughs) Yeah, it sure would be good to get a little snow on that ground. I think that would make us all feel a bit better. We'll talk more about it tomorrow, Stu. Thanks for coming on this morning. And remember, you can tell us what you're seeing outside. Send us a text at 877-301-FARM. That's our talk text line. Again, 877-301-3276. And that's your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. Compere Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Just visit Compere.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Trusting someone else enough to pack up your stuff for the big move usually doesn't happen. Our employees are like family and have been with us for a very long time. You can feel comfortable with them packing things up and moving them. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the all in the family move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well and like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like these The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank-you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com Design, create, actuate. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy, and they would all live happily ever after. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. 
Keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, X-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. While being prepared is on the top of your priority list, add Englewood grass-fed beef as a key solution to your family's food supply. Englewood offers a broad range of options to deliver antibiotic and hormone-free beef from our farm to your table. Visit englewoodgrassfarm.com and click on the order page. Soon, you'll be stocked up on heart-healthy grass-fed beef. Englewood grass-fed beef. Farming to promote the health of our animals and our family of customers. What what can we take away and move forward in the next year with this uh, Reliac West Bowl? Can you do much with it? Well, I mean, what do you want to do? Do you want to take the good or you want to take the bad? I mean, you can be there's there's you can go glass half full, glass half empty on this because of what happened with the defense, right? The defense getting shredded like it did, no pass rush whatsoever. Cornerback not able to make plays other than Ricardo Hallman. Or you can take a positive outlook and say, hey, that offense put up 506 yards against a bad LSU team. I'm not going to talk about that. But 506 yards with a lot of the guys that are coming back, assuming assuming you can get the type of play from Tyler Van Dyke that Tanner Mordecai gave you yesterday. I don't know if that's realistic. But that offense yesterday is exactly what we thought we were going to see all year. And we didn't see it all year. Yeah. Um, but So, I mean, I think if you want to be glass half full, it's the, the offense – Maybe it can work. Maybe this, uh, you know, forcing the ball down the field and, and letting your guys go and make plays is the way to do things, something they did not do pretty much the entire year. Um, and Tyler Van Dyke has the arm to do it. So there's, you, can, you can look at it a couple different ways, I think. And who's, um, who's the new running back that they got coming in from the transfer portal now? Kylie Walker? Yeah. Kid out of Oklahoma, which was funny. We were talking to Jackson Aker yesterday after he had a career-high – it was like 86 yards plus that touchdown. And he, the news was still kind of new to him. He was not, it didn't seem like he was expecting it, but he also made it seem like there's a potential position change in his future. Um, kind of like an H back, kind of like they did with Riley Nowakowski this year. Cause they have eight running backs uh, in that room right now. You're not going to have eight scholarship running backs come fall. I think we could see a guy leave. We could see, could see guys. Position, but yeah. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise. I don't know exactly what to bring to the table other than experience. And you don't have that pretty much outside of Chesney. And can't really 
definitely count on him to be out there every time. So, Zach, we were looking at your Twitter account this morning. Great follow, by the way, Zach Halperin. Uh, we were curious because uh, it was um, the first time, or uh, what was it here? Uh, Tanner Mordecai's 378 yards were fifth most by a Wisconsin quarterback in a single game. Among the top five performances, the Badgers have won just one of those games. <laughs> Do you know which game it is that they won in that game? Are you asking Rowdy or are you asking me? You. Because we were trying, we were, we were trying to figure it out. But I was like, "Oh, we're we'll exactly on the line." Yeah, I know you do. That's hit, hit us with it, baby. Jim. So your your phone cut out there for a second. It was when Zachy. I think he said Jim Sorgi. Yeah. Zachy still there, buddy? Yeah, sorry about oh, that. That's okay. Keep you... on, my, my phone keeps on connecting to my AirPods. Unbelievable. What are you um, in the airport right now? Yes, I am walking around the Philadelphia airport looking for Ben Kenny, and I, I can't seem to find him. So uh, I think he's crying. Um, I think he's crying into his pillow over the Eagles. So. It probably is. Probably is. Um, <laughs> but did you get my answer? It was Jim Shorty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2003, you said, right? 2003, when Lee Evans had 200 and something of it, including five touchdowns. Man, crazy. Um, so, yeah. you know, after the game, obviously, we, we heard from Fickle a bit there. I know you heard it, too, because, I mean, you were there recording it and also on hold there. He, he got pretty emotional, yeah? Like, like speaking of Fickle a bit, was this season, I guess, um, was it disappointing for him? And was that the emotion, or was he just that big of a Mordecai guy? I think he's emotional about Mordecai because of what he did, because he, you know, came, broke his hand, came back very, very quickly, um, you know, couldn't clap, you know, and that's obviously how they <laughs> the ball. Yeah. So there, there are, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, Love that emotion. We got pretty much the same thing from Phil Longo on two Wednesday uh, or Thursday when he spoke. It was, gosh, the only thing that I, I hate about the situation is that I don't get him for another year mm-hmm. um, because they felt like, especially towards the end of the year, they kind of felt like they were starting to find something. And we, we kind of saw that against Minnesota. They put up 28 on Minnesota, and uh, the passing game was a big part of that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think he's a big Mordecai fan. That said – Yes, this, this year's been horrible for him. Yeah. I, I, maybe horrible is too strong. Um, very difficult. He has said it. It's the most difficult that, you know, few months stretch of his coaching career. And um, it's because a lot of things haven't gone right. And quite honestly, a lot of things that he has control over haven't gone right, whether it's communication issues on the sideline, whether you decide to go for it or kick a field goal, whether you have 12 men on the, 12 men on the field and don't call a timeout. Um, there are just so many situations that he was in this year that, a veteran coach, which he is, um, you know, you wouldn't think you'd have that many issues. But again, you know, you look. For all of you that had your first date riding around the field in a tractor cab, this is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you, filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. Happy Hump Day as we kick off the last part of this shorter work week. According to the old Farmer's Almanac, January 3rd is a good day to do quite a variety of things. The first is, wherever you don't want to grow hair, today is the day you should cut that hair. January 3rd is the day to cut hair to discourage growth. And you'll probably want to keep that to yourself, most likely. On a totally different note, if you are thinking about getting hitched, today is the day. January 3rd is one of the best days to get married in 2024. Now, I doubt you had planned to get married on a Wednesday, but the courthouse is open. And again, this is according to the old Farmer's Almanac in their astrology. 
section. According to how the stars are aligned, it's a good day to cut hair to discourage growth and get married. And now it's time to check in with our friends at the Steffes Group. It's a Wednesday. That means it's time for us to catch up with our friends from the Steffes Group. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. You want to call them? Take a look at 2024 as your year for an auction. 800-726-8609. That's 800-726-8609. Randy Kath from the Steffes Group, kind enough to be back along with us. Happy New Year, Randy. And boy, you guys at Steffes Group already have quite a full dance card when it comes to all the auctions and activities you've got lined up already for 2024, huh? Yeah, it's going to be a busy fall, of course, and busy winter, but we are booking stuff into 2024. That calendar is slowly starting to fill up. Um, you know, we've, we've been doing some standalone Wisconsin area sales here the last year with with some really good, good success and uh, good results. We've set the date for the next one coming up on March 27th. Never too early to consign. Um, take a look at that. Uh, you can see our past results from the Stephens Group website. All of our auctions go to an archives, archive feature that you can see what's been on those sales, what it sold for, where it was located, pictures, descriptions, all that kind of good stuff. Um, but, yeah, we, we expect 2024 to be an, another busy season. Now, if I want to get involved in that consignment auction, uh, we were mentioning, Randy and I talking off air, that it's never too soon to start kind of pulling your items together and getting them committed to the Steffes Group. What, how can we go about that, Randy? Absolutely. The first step is a phone call. So um, reach out to the number, ask for Randy. He'll take care of you. We're going to come out. We're going to see what you got. Everybody wants to know what their stuff is worth. We'll do an evaluation slash appraisal right on site, tell you what we think it's going to bring. Um, so you're, you know, we, we try to, again, reduce the prizes. We don't want you thinking you've got a $50,000 priest and it's maybe worth thirty-five, or vice versa. If you got a $40,000 piece and we think it's going to bring sixty. We want you to know what price expectation is going to be. And hence, most of the sellers like to have an idea where they think the value is as well. Consignments can bring in an awful wide variety of different uh, equipment and items, Randy. Anything in particular that you're finding really successful when they pop up on these sales? Absolutely. So everything, you know, seems to be very seasonal, um, especially as, as times change, which we expect them to, to be doing so here going forward. We think that, that cash is going to be a little bit harder to come by in the next uh you know, year, maybe longer. And it seems like selling selling items in season has, has still been the historical way to cash in from the seller point of view. Um, so once we get into spring, of course, planters and tillage, light tillage equipment, tractors seem to be unseasonal, meaning there's still really good demand for tractors. Um, whether you're selling in January or July, it hasn't seemed to matter. Same with skid loaders. A lot of that construction iron that we sell in the spring has been really, really hot. Um, it seems like there's still a really strong demand and somewhat of a short supply for use good loaders to use construction equipment, particularly um, large and small excavators have been incredibly sought after and incredibly hot items. So that's kind of some of the stuff we're looking for. But again, it's a consignment sale. We won't, uh, you know, we won't discourage you from, from putting fall items on there as well. It just comes down to price expectation and how we can help you best. If it's a situation where it's something you need to move, even if it's out of season, we'll absolutely introduce you to a worldwide audience and make sure we maximize that value. Yeah. 
That's that's what they do, folks, and they do it very well. Randy Kath along with us from the Steffes Group. You want to get involved in that consignment sale? They've got slated for the state of Wisconsin on March 27th. Get thinking about it now. Start eyeballing those items now. And like Randy said, they'll be happy to give you some valuations before you get too close to the date. Find all the details and those archived results online at steffesgroup.com. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com or call them toll-free 800 726-8609. That's 800-726-8609. Randy Kath along with us from the Steffes Group. Before we take a look at our commodity prices this morning, I wanted to share a 2024 outlook with you on corn and soybeans. Chad Hart joins us. He's an economics professor and crop specialist out of Iowa State University. And he walks us through some of the challenges that he sees facing corn, beans, and the general agricultural supply chain. He's known as Dr. Doom, but he does promise the outlook for 2024 is not entirely gloomy. I won't necessarily go a full doom on you here, but the idea is I'm going to describe it as we're returning back to normal. When you think back at 2020, 2021, 2022, what we had were some very strong years for the farm economy. And the idea is we couldn't expect that to continue. We've seen our prices decline. We're seeing things tighten up as far as profit margins are concerned. But for most commodities, I would argue we're around break-even, which I would argue is around normal. Now, we've got our definite weak spots. Dairy has struggled hard in 2023. Pork has struggled as well significantly. But when you're looking at some of our crops like corn and soybeans, I'm going to argue, no, they're settling back in towards prices equal production cost, which is the normal state of affairs. What hasn't returned to normal is the input cost side of things, the expense side of this equation. Those seem to continue to go up. When you think about it, what we are used to, say you go back five, ten years ago, yes, we would have been talking lower prices and lower costs. Now we're talking higher prices and higher costs. So prices don't have to fall back to where they were to create problems for us. We have seen basically Think of it as the profits we've gathered over the past few years, we've reinvested that back in agriculture. By that reinvestment, we have driven those input costs up to match the prices we have today. Now let's talk futures here into 2024, and I want to start with corn. What are you seeing when it comes to supply and into the planting season? Right. As we're looking at supplies, in the end, what USDA was finding, and I would say a lot of farmers talk to me about this over the course of this fall, Things are better than we expected on the on the supply side. We were able to produce despite the drought problems out there. Did it create some issues in localized pockets? Definitely. But when we look overall, this could be the largest corn crop we've ever produced, which is really strange to say in the face of a multi-year drought. So supplies, no, we know they're there. They're big. The challenge is demand. It's trying to figure out how are we going to utilize all of this corn throughout the, you know, not only the nation, but the world. You know, the idea is we tend to feed a lot, but we've seen some shrinkage in our cattle herds, so that's weakening demand there. When we look at the ethanol picture, well, that's been hit and miss over the last few years. It really took a hit through COVID and has recovered, but it's not growing. And then the last piece is tends to be our international markets, and that's where we have seen the biggest pullback when you think over the past couple of years, as we've seen that international demand shrink as basically our corn got high priced relative to the rest of the world and the rest of the world started producing more corn. Is that the same story for beans though? Let's take a look at that other, the other top crop here. 
Are, are they in the same boat where they are going to need demand? Uh, they do. Uh, in this case, corn and beans are very similar in that aspect. Now, with beans, this year's crop isn't a record crop like we're facing in corn, but we're still talking about a lot of beans are available. Supplies are, are strong here within the U.S., We've seen domestic demand growth, but it's not enough to, to meet what we need in the market. And where we've seen the pullback is in that international demand. But here I would say we face, let's call it even stronger international competition. We have seen Brazil really ramp up soybean production over the past five years. The reason we've seen over the past couple of weeks soybean prices strengthen is because we're watching them deal with a problem we haven't had for a while, too much water. It's delayed them in planting, and the longer they're getting delayed, the more we think, okay, that's lessening that competition out there and helping boost our outlook for soybeans going into 2024. Professor Chad Hart along with us, a market economist out of Iowa State University. Now let's take a look at our commodity prices this morning. From Chicago, cash corn is trading up a half a cent at 464 and a quarter. December new crop corn is trading up a quarter of a penny at 498 and a half. Cash beans are down four cents at twelve sixty nine and a half, and November new crop beans are down two and a quarter cents at twelve nineteen and three quarters. Cash wheat is trading down two and three quarter cents at six oh four a bushel, and July new crop wheat is trading down two cents at six twenty four and a quarter. Taking a look at fluid milk, the February Class Three milk contract is trading up six cents at fifteen sixty nine a hundredweight. The March contract is up twelve cents at sixteen forty one. There is one crop that we haven't talked about yet this morning on our show, and it's grown in the middle of Madison. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Exteriors, just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to legacy-exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors, just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. We're known for our sweet moves, but what you might not know is that we can store your stuff too. Yep, from one day to one year. We can hold on to your things on our trucks or in our warehouse. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the unexpected storage move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things, well, like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. Goodman's Jewelers has been providing a sparkle to Madison since 1933. That's a lot of great memories. John Hayes for Goodman's Jewelers. We've been caring for generations of customers, and during that time our strengths have been trust, service, and selection. Those traits are who we are, and that will never change. Goodman's Jewelers, a destination worth reaching. 220 State Street, GoodmansJewelers.com. The best is at Goodman's. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com, over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. 
Here, money grows in rows. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Well, I'll tell you what, if you didn't know anything about mushrooms before, you will after you hear this. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Growing mushrooms is a very unique type of farming, and Andrew Griffin's story of how he came to be growing mushrooms is just as unique. He's a Wisconsin native growing up around farms, but without any farm experience. He got an education in economics, but preferred working in the food sector. It wasn't until the height of COVID when he decided to pursue growing mushrooms. He jokes that part of the reason was no one was hiring at that time. But growing mushrooms was already a hobby of his. And today, Andrew Griffin owns Micro Myco Growers in downtown Madison. He grows mushrooms for restaurants and farmers markets. Andrew describes what his city farm looks like. It really looks like a laboratory more than anything else. Um, so this space that I'm in used to be a call center, so like telecommunications. And if you look at the ceiling, there's still all sorts of um, uh, like Ethernet cables and that sort of thing. So when I walked in, there's like cubicles and a carpeted floor and like a, a work sink and a microwave and that sort of thing. So just turning it into the space that it is now, which is uh, like a concrete suite with water access, that's really what it is at the, at the most basic level, was a really long part of the 15 months. Actually, like moving all my equipment in here and getting it set up was a lot shorter than it took just to make it available for use. Is your operation normal, quote unquote, compared to other commercial mushroom producers? Um, so you can really divide mushroom producers into two categories, traditional mushroom producers, which are growing the white button mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, and then like gourmet mushroom producers. Um, since gourmet mushrooms really aren't very popular and it's an extremely emerging industry, there isn't really a normal operation yet. It kind of depends on where, where you are, what you have access to, and what sort of equipment you might be able to put together. There's no industry standard um, when it comes to cultivation equipment, whether it's like processing or harvesting or anything like that for gourmet mushrooms. So there's a huge amount of innovation that goes into it in terms of building your own equipment from recycled parts or from other pieces of machinery that might be used for something else traditionally. So there, long story short, there really isn't no, there really is no like standard gourmet mushroom operation then your operation is as unique as anyone else's and it starts with how you start the mushroom. I like the comparison you had made where growing mushrooms is kind of like sourdough starter, which some of our listeners might be familiar with. You start it and you feed it and you make bread, but you you keep using that, that same starter. Yeah. So walk us through that process for mushrooms. Yeah, we even use the same word. So culture or starter, I guess would be the same idea. So you're using the same genetic material to start every mushroom that you grow, which is really like a cloning process. So having that culture, you can introduce it into a more nutritious medium, in this case, oats, which is called spawning. And that really makes what is essentially a mushroom seed that you can then put into a larger base uh, of nutrition and have it grow out. So putting the culture onto uh, onto spawn is probably the most scientific part of the whole growing process and definitely the most precise. There's a lot of, a lot of room for error. And I think that uh, it's really probably the thing that makes my business viable is producing my own spawn. It is a bit more labor intensive and it, like I said, an exact process. But if you don't do that from scratch, uh, the, it's not very cost effective. And that's because Mushrooms are competing with other fungi, other bacteria. So you really have to be careful in making sure that there's no other competition similar to, you know, corn competing with weeds. Yeah, I call them I call them fungal weeds. So every breath you take, there's millions of spores and all those spores are looking for 
uh, a place to grow out. And so you're creating this perfect environment to grow a mushroom. There's going to be other stuff that wants to grow on it too. So fighting back the fungal and bacterial weeds is the other most important component of mushroom farming. And that's done mostly through uh, heat sterilization and working in sterile environments. You're starting the mushroom spores, you know, they, they're growing. Now it's time to transfer them to what we may think of as a log, not necessarily a literal log. What's that next step? That's called spawning to bulk, and you're exactly right. It is kind of like a log. It's more of an artificial log, so compressed sawdust and nutritional supplement into you know something that's more or less log-shaped. So that's what all the mushrooms I'm growing here would be growing on in nature is on a log. So we want to recreate that environment um, that they'd be growing on naturally, but just in a more commercially viable setting. So tell me about the components of this artificial log. So you've got the spawn, like I was talking about before. So that's essentially the mushroom culture put onto onto oats, and that's like the seeds. You've got the substrate, which is the bulk bulk nutritional component, so that's more akin to soil, and that's a mixture of sawdust and soybean hulls. And then you've got a container bag, which uh, just holds everything together, keeps all those bacterial and fungal weeds out, and then allows for a gas exchange. So as they're slowly decomposing this artificial log, they're putting out carbon dioxide and they need oxygen. So creating that perfect balance of, uh, of a growing environment stays pretty easy if you just seal everything in a, an enclosed environment like a bag. And if you're listening and you want to see pictures, I have these at MidwestFarmReport.com so you can kind of see the step-by-step process because it's hard to explain unless you're laying eyes on it. In this step, while they're on this artificial log, they're not mushrooms yet. They're still like white fuzzy. What next? Yeah, so there's two main components to what we know as a fungus. There's the vegetative state, which is contained in that artificial log. And so you're right, it looks kind of white and fuzzy. And that's the mycelium, a word that a lot of people have heard that make that turns it white like that. And then you've got the actual mushroom itself. So the mushroom is a reproductive organ of the fungus that grows off of the vegetative part of it. So you have a log or an artificial log, and you see the mushroom growing out from the log. Uh, that mushroom that you see is just a temporary organ of the whole organism. So what's the timeline that we're looking at here? What's the average timeline between starting the mushroom and harvesting? Starting from a very basic culture, um, you can grow an oyster mushroom in as little as seven to eight weeks, fully grown, like on the shelf, ready to eat. Andrew Griffin tells me more about what it takes to start a mushroom farm and turn a profit. That full conversation is at MidwestFarmReport.com. Just search mushroom. Andrew operates Micro Micro Growers in downtown Madison. This is a COVID-era agribusiness that has seen success as people become more interested in gourmet mushrooms. He says there could very well be a mushroom farm near you as people transition from hobby to commercial growing in order to meet this demand. He recommends visiting one. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Thanks for tagging along with me on a Wednesday morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.